You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. I hope you're well. We have not spent a ton of time talking about TikTok on this show, which is kind of inexcusable given this is a show about the future of digital media. Uh, so we're trying to rectify that today. We have an interview with Christina Najjar, who's also known as Tinks, who is also a TikTok star seemingly overnight. We talked about how that happened, what she's going to do next. Also talking to Rebecca Jennings, my colleague at Fox, who covers this stuff day to day and is great. And I'm going to ask her all my dumb TikTok questions in advance now, so I will sound smarter when I talk to you. Okay, this is a fun show, hopefully an educational one. So let's start talking to Tinks right now. I'm here with Christina Najjar. Hi, Christina. Hi, thanks for having me. I think it's the last time I'm going to call you Christina because you're... That's your actual name, but your your working name is Tinks, T-I-N-X. That's because you are a TikTok, do we call you an influencer, creator, star, content creator, going by Tinks. I'm familiar with you because I got on TikTok really late, like last month late. Oh, wow. And random, I don't think randomly, they must have figured it out. They started serving up your content. What's that mean that a guy in his late 40s is watching your content? That you have in- impeccable taste and love uh, stellar comedy, uh, social commentary, uh, little spoofs, sprinkling of celebrity yeah. gossip. I, that all sounds right. And you're I'm one of a million people who are following you, right? You're, you're just under a million right now? Yeah, just shy of a million. Really crawl into, the, crawl into that, that big uh, milestone. But yes, I am almost at a million. I'm guessing that some people who listen to this podcast have consumed your content. I'm also guessing that some people have not, and it's best to consume it on the platform. But we're going we're gonna to just play a clip right now of, of uh, I think, one of the things that help you sort of break through. Rich Mom Starter Pack, Tribeca Edition. So you just married an investment banker. Congrats. And you're moving to Tribeca. Don't worry. I'll tell you what you need so you fit in with all the other rich Tribeca moms. First things first, you're going to need an apartment in 443 Greenwich so your kids feel safe away from the paparazzi. And so you can befriend Jake Gyllenhaal in the elevator. Next, you're going to want to furnish your apartment in warm, neutral tones. It'll look great in Instagram. So means everyone will be terrified to drink red wine in your apartment. You'll need a car to drive to the Hamptons in the summer, of course. AVX5 says I'm rich, but I'm casual about being rich. Tracy Anderson membership so 
you can stay looking 26 even though you're 35. Number six, clog boots. Lots of gunny sweaters so that everybody knows you're a cool mom who understands Scandinavian fashion. Membership for your kids at The Wonder. E coat from Amazon. Which you'll wear on enforced date night to La Conde Verde. Have to go to Jack's or the other rich moms at least once a day. Oat milk lattes only. And finally, the holy grail of strollers, the $2,000 bugaboo fox. That's really for your nanny. Duh. So, Tinks, describe to people what they'd be looking at if if they were if they were actually consuming this on TikTok. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. It's it's a starter pack, which I, I certainly didn't invent. I think starter packs started as memes. Um, so on Instagram, and a starter pack is a collection of things for jokingly put together to make fun of a type of person. Um, so you could have a starter pack for a basic girl or a starter pack for um, an LA influencer or a skater boy or what have you. And I started making them into videos um, for rich moms. And that's, is that what, is that where you broke through? I, I think it was before. I, I mean, I, I downloaded TikTok like so many people in, in quarantine. I think I posted my first TikTok in May of 2020. I definitely had some success um, before um, and have just had a whirlwind year um, gaining traction. But definitely the rich mom starter packs have been a huge hit and really resonated with people, which is so funny because I've been... Uh, lovingly mocking rich mom culture for years. And now I, I thought, you know, maybe just I'll try it for TikTok and, and people really love it. So that's one, definitely one format that I, that I love to, to work with. So that's you holding up a mic mm -hmm. right in front of your face, my mini uh, which I have, my, your mini microphone. Mm -hmm. I want to ask about that. And then there's a, a you're, you're showing in the background, all the, yeah. the images mm -hmm. of all the things that one can consume. And I guess maybe I like rich moms too. Maybe that's what I'm responding to. I think a lot of who people knows? didn't realize how, how much they, they love rich mom culture. I've been a huge, um, you know, rich mom culture fanatic for years. They, they live, they live really well. And I love knowing about the different types. I mean, it's like Pokemon cards. You got to catch them all. There's Malibu rich mom, Tribeca rich mom. It, there, there's infinite. So. You're going to, yeah, you're mostly coastal right now. You're going to have to move into the middle of the country. You're going to oh, have to go abroad. A hundred percent where we will, we will absolutely be expanding worldwide rich mom, um, nation or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, that's, so far we've mainly gone for the coasts. That's easiest entryway point. So I kind of sketched out the basic elements of your biography already, right? You got into TikTok late, as in May 2020. Mm -hmm. um, you started making stuff. It hit really quickly. Now you're at a million followers. And that's it's now your job, right? It is my is job. Thing you're, mm -hmm. It's a full-time job. Is it paying your rent? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. So what were you doing prior to this? How did you stumble into TikTok content creation? So brief background um, on me. I am actually from London, England originally. I moved to America to go to college. I went to Stanford to study. Uh, my emphasis was in Shakespeare and creative writing. Uh, worked in San Francisco after I graduated for four years in marketing and then went back to grad school in New York for fashion journalism at Parsons School of Design. And during my time at grad school, I was a writer and editor in New York. Um, and I'd been freelance writing since I graduated Stanford, always doing fun bits of content, always kind of consulting on the side. And then that really became my main business um, while I was in grad school. And then after I graduated, I was sick of New York. So I moved to LA and the plan was to continue writing and continue consulting. And then shortly after COVID hit, 
And I um, was, you know, like everybody else in a state of total despair and utter boredom. And obviously nobody wanted articles and none of the companies that I was consulting for needed me anymore. So I, I picked up TikTok. I just thought I'm loving this platform so much. Why don't I give it a try? I never thought. You thought I want to make a living doing this or let me just make a video and see what happens. No, I wanted to, I wanted to have some sort of creative output because that's so core to my happiness as a person. And, and, you know, I didn't really know what to write or what to work on because I think it can be difficult if you, you know, it was a difficult time. Um, and I never really thought of myself as camera facing. I, all of my consulting work is helping brands create their content and tell their story and connect with their audience. And, um, you know, the, the freelance writing that I was doing on the side was for fun. And so I thought, you know, why not? I I might as well give this a go and just for fun, truly, truly, just because I wanted to, to make something. And in a way, I think that that might be part of why I, I had success is that it came from a really genuine place of just, just wanting to, make something and make people laugh. And um, it kind of took off from there. Your TikTok bio says something of, to the effect of POV, oldest person on TikTok. Yeah, I'm the I think you're, I think you're I'm, 30, I, right? I'm 30. I joke that I'm the oldest girl on TikTok. The, the other thing that I'll say is that I, when I downloaded TikTok in quarantine, I, um, I loved it, but I didn't see I thought that there was room for more formats. I saw a lot of dancing uh, of, of very talented teenagers dancing. I saw a lot of comedy, um, but I didn't see much celebrity gossip. I didn't see any social commentary. I didn't see many product reviews. And so I, I sort of thought, well, why don't I just create the content that I want to see? Because I, I usually think that if you want to see it, there's other people that want to see it too. Um, so I started trying out different formats and had success with them quite quickly. And, you know, that there are a lot of millennials, el- elder millennials, as we call ourselves on TikTok. And so I think that was, that was sort of a, an early um, insight as well. And, wh- and why TikTok and not Instagram, which already has sort of a, a full-blown Instaculture or influencer Instaculture? So I love TikTok for many reasons. Here's what I'll say. It, there's a very low barrier to entry. On Instagram, the culture is very much about your profile and what it looks like, your followers, um, the ratio of following to followers. It's, it's a very it, – your profile matters a lot. So if you don't have any social media – Logging onto Instagram and starting to produce content can be difficult and demoralizing. If you're starting at zero, you're starting at zero, especially today, because everybody already has a lot of followers. It, it, you know, people care what their grid looks like, and you don't really have a chance. I mean, they're doing more now, but it's very hard for people to discover your content if they don't know to look for it. TikTok is the opposite. Whether you have a million followers or you have two followers, if your video gets on the for you page, it has equal chance to go viral. Um, and that's why sometimes people will have this big beginner's luck on TikTok. They'll join and they'll get a viral video in the first week because if it's if it's on the for you page um, and they push everyone's videos to the for you page, then and people like it, you'll you'll get views and likes. It's a really it's an interesting platform because everyone's hyper aware. It's seemingly hyper aware of the mechanics of it, and mm-hmm. it's also mysterious, right? How does the algorithm work? How does my stuff get put there? And you'll hear a lot of people on TikTok saying, "My last video did this many views, but this one no one's seeing. What's going wrong?" And they're sort of indignant. But it seems like it's some combination of roulette wheel slash more thoughtful programming on on the massive Chinese AI 
side of things. Yeah, I, I think that people, it's just a lot easier to join and just start creating on TikTok. And then it's also an easy app to use that's just more mechanically. It's it's super easy to create short form video. And I think that that's, that was another reason why I thought this is really easy. I, I never thought that I could create little one minute films or anything because I, I don't know how to edit movies or I don't have any of that software. And I, I was able to do it really easily on TikTok. So that was another reason why I went for the platform. When did it first pop for you? When did you go, oh, it was a beginner's luck right away. What was the video that, that, that broke through? So on a more personal note, as soon as I started creating videos, I, it, you know, they say, when you know, you know, when you meet the love of your life, I, I thought this is what I have to do for the rest of my life. I absolutely love creating content. This is it. Um, and I, honestly, it was pretty quick. And and my friends were very supportive and said, oh, this is what you were meant to do. You're, you're, you're kind of taking everything that you know from your writing world, your journalism background, from consulting these brands on how to connect with people and how to make people laugh. You're just doing it for yourself now. This has always been you. It's just, it's just being shown now. So honestly, it was in, probably in the first two weeks or three weeks that I had my first viral video. And then after that, I started to play around with different formats and, and get feedback on what people were liking and not liking. And then it, it sort of was a happy snowball from there. So tell me about the aesthetic of the video. The the ones I recognize the most is you holding that tiny microphone mm. in front of your face and you're kind of dead. I mean, it's the voice that you're using right now, but it's a little more sort of deadpan maybe. It's a little sarcastic. It's a little dry. That That's my general tone is, is you know, lovingly mocking, as I say, or slightly mocking. Um, yeah, I do a lot of green screen. And, and the other thing was the mini microphone. So about a month into TikTok, I thought, it looks like the lapel microphone you'd wear yeah, if you were going tiny, on TV. And it, it irritates people to no end that I don't clip it on my my shirt. I hold it. I just I think it's funny. I just had this. I just woke up one day and thought I'll look like I'm about to say something important or funny or just look slightly more authoritative if I have this mini microphone. And the other thing that I heard very early on in the comments was, "Oh, you have a really nice voice for for TikTok." I think, you know, people can get triggered very easily by shrill voices or high voices. And I do have a lot of vocal fry, but people like the sound of my voice on a microphone. So now it's my thing. I have literally 40 of them all over my house. I don't go anywhere without it. There's literally one in my bed right now. So I just, I, now it's my signature. I do see other people holding mini mics. Are they copying you or did that exist before? <laughs> I, again, I don't take credit for inventing the mini mic thing. Yeah, lo loads of people get it. They tag me in it. Um, they, they, you know, they say I'm their inspiration, which is great. It's fun. And that's the TikTok vibe, right? Is people like it's, it's meant for you to respond to other people's videos. It's meant for you to copy what someone else did. I mean, there's tools built for that. Yeah. There's a lot of tools to engage with the community. That's the other thing. That's the other, I would say huge difference from Instagram is there's just so much feedback all the time. You know, there's, there's things like stitching and duetting and the comment section is, is honestly half the fun of TikTok. It's where all the, all the energy is, all the, all the action. So there's just a lot of interaction between people, not necessarily that you're following, but just the community as a whole. So you start in May, it breaks through right away. You say, I like this. And then at what point does it become something that's actually generating meaningful money for you? So pretty quickly, I started to get phone calls from agents and brands and managers. And I had no idea about this world. I was so 
green to all of it. I had to literally get my friends, you know, in the entertainment industry to explain what's a manager, what's an agent, what, what's the difference. But I needed help because I was getting these brand deals and I, I had these contracts and, and, you know, to start with, I thought, oh, cool, this is a fun way to supplement my income while, while COVID's going on. But but then I, I realized how much I loved it. And I, and I realized that I wanted to do it. Like if money were no object, I would still be doing it. And that's when you, you make the choice to say, okay, I need to make a go of this. So I worked really hard in the fall, got a manager, we made a plan and I've been full-time content since January 1st of this year. So explain to me as much as you can, whatever detail you can, sort of how it works. Are, are you, do you have what is a brand deal? Is it is it a one-off thing? You make this many videos featuring my product and point it out. Do you is it a, is it a long-term thing? Is it dependent on reach? If if you make a if you make a video and it doesn't hit, do you have to do more? How, how does all that work? Um, so brand deals can look a lot of different ways. It can be a combination of TikToks and Instagrams. It can be um, a live on Instagram. It can be a one-off TikTok. Usually you provide your engagement statistics with, to the brand prior. Um, the thing with TikTok is it can be a little iffy, right? You can do a sponsored post and it might not get the views. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. But brands go into it know, knowing that. So, I, you know, I think it's more about doing brand deals that make sense and that fit with you as a content creator. Like that's how you get the most quote, quote, bang for your buck. Um, it's not necessarily like, oh, the most views or the most likes. But to answer your question, it can be a combination of things. And I'm really, really lucky to work with brands that I adore. Um you know, and it's funny because I'm I'm coming at this this content create. You know, I, I don't consider myself an influencer, but I do do some influencing right now. I, I admit that. Um, That's why you're getting paid, right? Exactly. But I I'm coming at it from a really different place than I think a lot of people are. More of a top down versus bottom up approach. Like I didn't set out to be an influencer. So without knowing it, I laid some really great foundation before I was making money from my TikTok and my Instagram because I spoke very honestly and aggressively sometimes about things that I like, things that I don't like, product recommendations. Some of my most viral videos are like product recommendations that I wasn't getting paid for. Um, and, And I think that that's why in my case, I've been able to work with brands that I genuinely love already. And so that's great. I, I also, for better or worse, I made a stand very early on that I was never going to do an affiliate link because I just, I feel weird about that. I, that's not how I want to make my money. And I'm open with the brands. I say to them, I, w- I would rather just work with you and tell the people that the products that I love, I don't want to kick back directly from them. So you'll say, I like these leggings or I like this skin cream, yeah. but there's no link f- there for someone to go and buy it. They've got to do it themselves. Right. They go, they go, I don't get a kickback from that. I, I take money from the brand directly. And that's how I like it. You know, cause sometimes the brand will say, Oh, do you want a dollar for every X, Y, Z sold? And I say, uh-huh. no, I don't, I don't. What's the, what's the difference in your, in your mind? It seems like it's the same thing. I'm making money from the brand directly, mm-hmm. not making money from my followers. Ah, that's very wise. I, uh, I think we, we, I know this. We talked earlier. You said you'd seen the uh, Nick Bilton uh, mm-hmm. fake famous mm-hmm. documentary, and that that we talked. To, I talked to Nick, and he seemed pretty dismissive slash dismayed by influencer culture and the way it's portrayed in his documentary. Is it's a lot of really hungry people moving to LA 
trying to become actors and actresses and not succeeding and then aspiring to become influencers instead. Do you interact with, does that world ring true to you? Does that look like the world you see? Well, so yes and no. And firstly, with with all due respect, I, I do consider myself a writer and a content creator first. You know, I, I do brand deals. That is how I make money. But I, I, I don't consider myself an influencer. Um, do I think that that world exists? Yes, absolutely. Um, but that being said, there have always been people who want to be famous. There have always been people who want attention and who want nice free things. I don't think that that's a novel concept. I think we have a lot more visibility to it because of social media. And right now the iteration of famous is this social media star that's of the moment right now, you know, but people have always looked up to people and and wanted to be famous. How do you describe your fame level? Our mutual friend Brooke Hammerling talks about going to a restaurant with you and you getting mobbed by by ladies of a certain age who want to talk to you. Um, does are you getting if if you're not going to the Ivy or someplace like that? Or do people know who you are? Are they, are they stopping you on the street? You know, I, I think I'm locally famous right now in in New York and L.A. I mean, I talk about Erwan in every other video of mine. Of course, when I go to Erwan, people are going to recognize me. Um, and yeah, so I, I mean, I haven't really been anywhere because of the pandemic apart from LA and New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get recognized a little bit there. And and I think, I don't know, this sounds silly, but I'm kind of like famous to the people who know me, if that makes any sense. So are like stopped on the street famous, like people walking up to you? Yeah. Oh, if yeah. you're not filming a video and they say, oh, yeah. hey, ticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that good? Is that bad? Is it creepy? Is I it love fun? it. I'm, I'm honored. I think at the beginning I was so shocked. I didn't know what to say. And now, now I love it. I, I mean, one thing that I didn't expect when I sort of embarked on this and when I really started going for it, I really didn't expect to have the genuine love for my followers that I feel. I feel a very deep connection to them. And I mean, one of the formats that I do on my on my TikTok is vlogs about my life. And I feel it's very natural for me to share about my life to them. I don't know if that's because I'm a writer. I don't know if that's just because I wear my heart on my sleeve, but I feel completely honest with them and I feel very close to them. So I love when people stop me. I mean, it's of course it's flattering as well. Like let's call a spade a spade. If, if someone comes up to you and says, I love your videos, you make me laugh every day. That's a wonderful feeling. It has not gotten old. Oh, no. I, I I remember I counted the first time that I ever got recognized. I said, I'll never stop counting. I, I, you know, I would text my mom and said, this is number three people, whatever. And then when I got to 50, I just stopped. And now it's every day. But again, I go to the same places every day and I live in Los Angeles. So, so you kind of semi-accidentally fall into this in May. Then you become famous. Uh, now you've got a million followers. What what happens next? What do you want to do next? What do you and your manager want to happen next? Well, look, I mean, as you said, I'm I'm truly a year into this. I'm less than a year into it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I feel like I'm I'm really only scratching the surface in terms of the the audience that I'm building and and the connection with the audience that I'm building. So you know, I think it would be. What I want to do is 
I don't want to spread myself too thin with a lot of projects. What I really want to do is, is continue to build the audience. Um, and, and listen, there's a million things that I want to do that, that, that all being said right, right now I'm focusing on the, my building my audience and building the connection that I have with them. But that being said that there's a million things that I want to do. Uh, of course I, I have big dreams of, um, launching a brand. I have a lot of great product ideas and I've always wanted to write a book. Um, but right now that's, that's what I'm focused on. And do you think your career, your persona, this business you're building, this remains sort of based in TikTok, based on TikTok, or at some point do you say, oh, I'm going to graduate and get a TV job, or I want to, I want to leave TikTok, or I don't want to be dependent on TikTok? I, I'm, of course, I want to explore new mediums, um, and, I'm, and I'm beginning to do that. But again, TikTok is sort of where I was, quote, quote, born. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'll love it. I'll always have love for it. TikTok is an incredible app. I mean, the sheer power, the cultural sway that this app has is a force to be reckoned with. Um, and, and as I just said, I, I feel incredibly close to especially my followers on TikTok because I'm so honest with them. So I don't think that I'll, I'll ever leave it completely. No. What was it like last fall when, when you were building this thing, it becomes real, and then all of a sudden there are real people, including the president of the United States, saying, well, you got to get rid of TikTok or shut it down or sell it off. And, and there was a period, at least with a few weeks, where it looked like the, the app's future was really in doubt. I was beside myself. I was completely beside myself because at that point, I really didn't know. I really didn't know what it was, but I knew instinctively I, I, I that I wanted to create more content and that I was onto something and I loved it. And at that time, I didn't, I didn't feel like I, I didn't understand the landscape. I didn't know what I was doing. And TikTok was my my life force. Like I was just doing TikTok every day and I was completely beside myself. I was, I got wasted on a live. I, I go live a lot on TikTok with my followers. And, and at that point I probably had- That's live streaming. Uh, yeah, I probably issues. had yeah, yeah. less than 100,000 followers at that point. And I was on there drinking tequila, crying, like, what are we going to do guys? And it was just, I was beside myself. You mentioned tequila. I saw you drinking uh, Tesla tequila at some point. I'm assuming you did not buy that. I assume they sent it your way. I bought it. So you sp- bought it. The story with the Tesla tequila is I, I one of my main formats um, on TikTok is product reviews and trying things out and giving them honest reviews, especially um, especially celebrity adjacent products. And I can give another story about that later if we come back to it. But, um, you know, I happened to be online when I saw the thing pop up, Elon releases tequila and I knew it was going to sell out. So I thought, whatever, I'm going to buy it. And I did, I, I grabbed one and then I did a TikTok about it. I think it's my most viral TikTok. I believe it's my most viral TikTok. And it was because Elon Musk equals engagement because it was sold out. And because I said, okay, like, let's see how good this is. Let's see what the deal is. Um, I'm known for my honesty. Um, I'm known for being a little bit celebrity obsessed. So I bought it. And then Mr. Musk took two and a half months to send this freaking tequila to me. And it was like the saga of, oh my God, every day people were commenting, is it coming? Where is it? Blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people were thinking that I was getting it sent for free. And I said, no, I I have the receipt. Here it is, whatever. But I'll say this much. In the end, I owe Mr. Elon a a thank you because it launched this whole series of in the meantime, when I was waiting for the tequila, 
I reviewed a ton of different celebrity alcohols. All these other celebrities did start sending me their alcohols to try for free. And so it was, we had fun in the meantime. And then I I got it and I thought, you know what? I'll be honest. The tequila is good. I'm a tequila drinker. The bottle is so cheesy to me. It looks like an award. It is something that if you asked like a 12 year old boy to design a bottle, that's what it would look like. And it's very clumsy. I dropped it. It's, it's like, I don't know. I think you have summed up the Elon Musk aesthetic. What is the uh, best or worst thing someone has sent you for free because they want you to promote it? Well, the best thing, the thing that I, that I got most excited about was Kim. I'm a big Kardashian fan and Kim Kardashian, whenever she launches a perfume, she sends uh, her, her PR list. That's what it's called. A big box of chocolate. And it's, inside the chocolate box. You have to smash it with a hammer. That's the kind of thing du jour right now. And then the perfume's inside. And so I made a TikTok and I, I said, guys, you know, I've always wanted to get something from Kim Kardashian, but I don't want the perfume. I've always just been dying to try that chocolate. Cause I feel like all these like models and celebrities who get it, they don't eat chocolate. And I was like, I would just want to try a bite of it because I know it's good. And of course the powers that be heard and I got sent one and I got to try it. And it was indeed some of the best chocolate that I've ever tasted in my life. Really? I would I would I would assume it'd be like just mediocre oh, no. chocolate not packaging. Him. Yeah. Not him. Right. She works with a French chocolatier and it's absolutely phenomenal chocolate. It's so good. All right. Kim Kardashian, if you're listening, I will also accept your chocolate. <laughs> so that was one of the best things. And listen, I get sent I'm very lucky to get sent a lot of stuff all the time. I don't I try not to do negative reviews. If I don't like something, I just won't speak about it. Okay, but just just you and me. What's the worst thing you got? Um, I've gotten a lot of like weird beverages that I just really don't like, like weird drinks. You know, I don't think that we, and it's funny because I used to cover like CPG when I was a writer in New York, I would interview all these founders, you know, you know, the, the pre COVID super hyper millennial vibe of like, oh, I'm going to make this drink with this in it and mushroom tea, tea. mushroom tea and, you know, all this stuff. And I think that we've we've just about reached our peak for those kind of drinks. So I've got sent some really weird ones that are just really, really nasty. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's starting to to be that I get, I don't even ask for things and they they arrive at my house, which is a bit scary now, but I'm lucky. I'm very, very, very lucky to get to try so many good products. I think people send, you know, I, I often get DMs from people saying, my friend has a million followers on Instagram or 3 million and she doesn't get half the much stuff you get. And it, I think it's because I really am honest. And if I give a good recommendation, people trust me and they buy it. We've had several instances of things really selling out because I say, this is amazing. And if I say it's amazing, I mean it. And I've tried it and tested it. So I'm very grateful for all the, for all the presents that I get to try. Good for you. That's the right attitude. My recommendation to the listeners is to follow Christina slash Tinks on TikTok. All the same stuff's also on Instagram, right? If they don't want to do TikTok Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tanks, Christina, you are my first TikTok influencer, creator, producer that I've had on the show. I think also the first one person, one word name I've had on. Thank you. Well, I'm so, like, you know, I'm marking that down. Share Madonna, Jesus, Tinks. Tinks. Perfect. But I've been called Tinks for 20 years. This is a nickname, longstanding nickname. I didn't make it. Yeah, but, talk. but now you're Tinks. Okay. Now I'm Tinks. Thank you, Tinks. Be well. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Thanks again to Christina slash Tinks. We're going to hear from Rebecca Jennings in a minute, but first a word from a sponsor. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? 
Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. I'm here with Rebecca Jennings. She is my colleague from Vox. She covers influencers and many other things. She's out, she's here to explain the the influencer economy to us. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Peter. Uh, so we've been hearing about influencers for a very long time. I think we used to call them YouTube stars or internet stars. <laughs> um, sometimes now we call them creators. My general conception of this, I talked to to Nick Bilton about this. He made this HBO documentary about influencers. Is there is a is it, it they are a pervasive and wide level of stardom that ranges from a very big deal to not a big deal at all. And I'm hoping you can sort of <laughs> tease out what that world looks like. Um, I get that there are a handful of people who are internet famous and beyond, and it seems like there's a very large tier that's below that. So. Can, can we figure out sort of a taxonomy or at least a sort of sense of how many folks at least call themselves influencers? Yeah, absolutely. I think a helpful way to think about this is, you know how people say like Instagram made everybody photographers and Twitter made everyone writers. I think that the creator economy made everybody celebrities. So like mm-hmm. a running kind of theory that I am constantly fiddling with is that like everybody is a little bit famous and it's all just about the magnitude of that fame. So now that we have more famous people than ever before, there are these crazy taxonomies about like what is actual fame versus TikTok fame versus YouTube fame. And so, so yeah, I think the typical, you know, influencer taxonomy is that like, you know, if you're if your dad knows who this person is, they're they're like mainstream famous. Um, if only your twelve year old niece knows who this is, that's TikTok famous. That's they have they're famous within one tiny niche, and they maybe make they probably don't make a living off of it, but they make you know a few thousand bucks here and there off of it. What if like lots of fifteen year olds know <laughs> who you are, right? Like I think most adults up until the last month or so had never heard of Mr. Beast. Right, but he's a giant, <laughs> giant YouTube star. Um, my kids certainly know who he is. Is there is can you be enormously famous and still unknown to a wide swath of the population? Oh, absolutely. That is like what we're ta- what we talk about when we talk about the creator economy is people who most people who are not super, super online don't know who they are, but they are making millions of dollars because all of these people that you are not part of know who they are, and that's where we get it, like the teenagers and stuff. So I was around for the beginning of YouTube and the first people who got on YouTube and became YouTube famous probably weren't trying to become famous. They were just putting stuff on YouTube and then people started liking it and then there was no way to make money and eventually there was some. But at least in those early days, it didn't seem like people went to YouTube with the idea that they were going to become creators or influencers. When did when did that tip over? When did I want to be a creator or influencer become aspirational? 
<laughs> when you could make money off of it, like serious, serious money. I think once you get these really big stars who provide a template for what internet stardom can be, that's where you get tons and tons of kids saying they want to grow up and be influencers because now we know that like a third of middle schoolers say they want to grow up and be influencers, which is like somewhat concerning, but you know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, being famous is something people have always wanted to do. I don't, I don't begrudge anyone that. If, if, so YouTube early on created this system where they were sharing revenue uh, with creators. And I think most of the other platforms until recently have been loath to do that. So if you aren't getting a share of ad revenue from a YouTube ad, how do you make money as an influencer? The ways to make money as an influencer have totally exploded. And I think platforms are now, over the past couple of years, learning that if you want creators to stay, you have to give them a way to monetize. And I think that's the lesson that we learned from Vine because there was really no way to cre uh, to monetize there. But but now, you know, you get ads on YouTube and that, that for in the early 2010s, that was a huge, huge gold rush for people who, who could just completely make just absolute killer livings on their YouTube ads alone. And then a couple of years ago, we saw the adpocalypse. And so YouTube revenue went down. But now there's there's all the, it's kind of splintered off into different kinds of ways to monetize. So I think the most popular one that people know is sponsored content, brand deals. You know, it's basically product placement um, and it's labeled as such. It's like this is an ad. Uh, this, this brand is paying me to promote their product or or incorporate their product into the video. Um, and, you know, on TikTok, you can do that with music. Um, uh, Columbia Records might hire you to do a dance to a certain song or something. Another one is merch. Um, the barrier of entry to merch is very low. Uh, so anyone, you know, if you, you have a viral hit on TikTok, you can go to... Redbubble, the t-shirt shop, and be like, I have a merch store now. And, and it took, you know, 20 minutes of your time. And you probably won't make a ton of money on that, but but there are other ways now too. It's it's you get uh, you get Patreons and you can uh, you get OnlyFans. I think that's been a really really huge huge deal um, money wise for creators. Um, you, and uh, OnlyFans was originally uh, the main connotation was porn. You had, you had uh, pornography there. Obviously, um, it's not only porn. So if I'm if I'm doing a non pornographic OnlyFans, what am I selling to to my fans? You're kind of selling to the super fans. You're selling like behind the scene videos that they probably didn't want to post on Instagram or their Instagram stories. It's like the third tier of stuff that, you know, only your true, true fans will care about. And maybe it's a little bit racier things like TikTok and Instagram have pretty strict uh, like nudity policies. So if you want to show something that without the fear of it getting taken down, you can go to OnlyFans. Oh, I assume in a week or so, we'll be having a discussion about uh, influencers selling their own NFTs or has that already hit? Yeah, so I, I think um, there is absolutely a lot of talk about selling their own NFTs and, and created like this human stock market. There's now new apps that have popped up where you can buy interactions with creators that you love. You can uh, buy stock in certain influencers, and this is all obviously like very theoretical. Um, you can you can buy stocks in terms of like their drama that they're creating because there's a whole other cottage industry around influencers, which is like the the influencer drama economy. Um, so so the economy around these stars is only ballooning. And not only are there lots of ways for creators to make money, but now there are ways for you personally, fan of an influencer to also make money. They're derivatives. Yeah. 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 Great. Um, where am I getting my best bang for my buck? If I could choose to be internet famous on one platform, and I just want to make money. Am I best off at YouTube, Instagram, TikTok? 
That is a great question. Honestly, from what I'm reading and hearing lately, it's OnlyFans. <laughs> like that is, like they take a 20% fee, but otherwise, if you are in the top, you know, 0.5% of creators on OnlyFans, you are making millions of dollars a year easily. Um, and I don't know because if there's that's no the cap case. on what I can charge, and I'm just selling direct to fans. And yes, exactly. And I think Patreon too. Um, I think the best way and the and the way that you know you aren't as dependent on platforms that do like YouTube ads, advertisings, or Instagram's algorithm rules is direct payments. Right. And you, if, if you spend any time on Instagram, and particularly on TikTok, TikTok's like hyper aware. It's a very meta platform. Everyone's constantly talking about the algorithm and please promote this so I can get more views. And my last one got this many views. Can you help me get to that? Thank you for this many views. It's it's quite startling to watch if you haven't, <laughs> if you're not used to it. Um, everyone's like half of the TikTok content seems to be about TikTok. What what's the what's the threshold I need to go from this is a fun thing, I'm getting some free beauty products to I'm making a living, maybe I could pay my rent. I get it's going to differ from platform to platform, but give me a sense of where where I need to be. Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge, huge jump, especially on TikTok, where we're talking about the highest, you know, echelon of TikTokers have upwards of 100 million followers. Um, and so, but so, so many other people have, you know, a couple hundred thousand to a couple million. There's a, there's a really weird middle class on TikTok that isn't quite making a living off of it, but, you know, getting a couple hundred dollars here and there, a couple thousand. And I think that really extends way, way up to a pretty high tier. I think that only the really, really, really highest uh, people that you might know, you know, since you have you have kids, <laughs> you you might know their names. Those are the people that are making like really, really great livings. The other people who you know have a couple million followers, which sounds like a lot, but on TikTok is not really not not really that much. They're not paying their rent still. It takes it takes a really, really long way, and it takes really good management, and it takes some know-how in the industry that TikTok as a platform doesn't necessarily allow because people get famous very, very fast. Is there any tweak to that where, you know, for, in theory, Recode Media uh, may not have the same reach as another podcast, but uh, we have a business audience, so we'll get paid a higher rate for our ads because people know they're reaching a certain kind of smart, educated, good-looking audience, Recode Media listeners. Um, does that exist on TikTok or Instagram? Will someone say, oh, we, we, we specifically like you because you're going to reach this audience as opposed to you have a lot of reach, period? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, I think with a lot of, you know, like the the mid or the lower tier influencers, you see them do the same kind of ads. And I think anybody who spent time on Instagram will kind of understand what I mean. When you, when you see a certain tier of influencers pr promoting, say, like a teeth whitening strip or a flat tummy tee or, you know, a vibrator or, you know, any anything that like you know they're not being paid that much for and their feed is just constantly like energy drink, um, things like that they're sort of making themselves look worse and they will no longer appeal to a certain kind of brand who might give them a lot more money. Like they'll, they won't appeal to like, you know, American Eagle or Nike or something, someone with a bigger budget than an energy drink. Is that the the tip off? Uh, uh, I can sort of tell how you're doing by the, 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 the general sort of brand you're endorsing. <laughs> yeah, 1000%. <laughs> 
So interesting. I can tell who Although a good man is. It reminds me of like the Yahoo <laughs> homepage that used to have like teeth whitening and, and tummy tuck stuff too. I think someone at Yahoo called it uh, tits and teeth. And, uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Those kinds of ads. Um, so not my words, hers, as I recall. <laughs> um, and uh, again, in the old days, there'd be talk about, can you get from MySpace or YouTube to a TV deal? Um, and people were trying to do that. They either wanted to get, uh, remember Fred? The, no, oh my God. Don't. Yeah, ter- like he had a Nickelodeon show. Uh, yes. And almost all those didn't work. And then sort of for a while, what you would hear from an influencer creator was, I don't, I don't want to go get a movie deal or TV <laughs> show. I want to stay on YouTube. That's where my fan base is. Um, what is the current thinking about moving from an Instagram to television or something else like that? Is that something people aspire to do or do they not care? Oh, they totally want that. I mean, I think pre-pandemic when we got this explosion of the idea of like a collab house or a TikTok house, which is which of course had already existed on YouTube and things, every single one was in the process of pitching or creating a reality TV series because they know that that's, you know, the real leverage to mainstream fame and where they can make actual money. But I think because of the pandemic, because this was, you know, last, this is last spring, a lot of that was shut down and a lot of those houses no longer exist. And I, I think now what we're seeing a lot of is, is those kids getting into investing. So they're going straight to straight to money, really. is like instead of just doing the whole like I'm a star and buy my thing, it's like, no, I want to be the person who's investing in other people's things. And oh, putting their money into other people's memes or like, you or know, NFTs to have or... it like joining a VC firm. Like this is a uh-huh. very like bro thing to do. Like future Jake Pauls, that's what they're doing. <laughs> uh, but just to be uh, back to fame for one second, right? So Anyone who's listening to this podcast and anyone, period, at this point knows that the reach of traditional television is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking because people are spending their time on Instagram and TikTok in large part. So if you're on Instagram and TikTok, don't you see that and go, why would I want to work really hard to get a failed USA Network (laughs) pilot or whatever it is? Or is it still... That's a level of fame and a level of money that not everyone can do, and that makes it that much more appealing. Uh, yeah, I think the latter is 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 on the nose. I, I think that there will nothing, nothing you do on YouTube is going to be able to match the kind of mainstream TV prestige that you know working in traditional media can offer you. I saw my my colleague Teddy Schleifer last night tweeting. He was watching the Grammys, saying, "Oh, when we're now in the segment of of the Grammys where they're showing off all these TikTok songs." Yeah, exactly. And then apparently someone pointed out to him, "No, these are all popular songs that became famous on TikTok and then sort of blew up that way." Um and those generally are made by sort of conventional musicians, and then they get accelerated that way. The music labels figure that early on. Is there any other way where traditional media can sort of get a TikTok or Instagram bounce that we've seen? I mean, I, I mean, the thing about TikTok specifically, right, is that so much of what you do there is do dances or memes based yeah. on clips of songs. It seems like it'd be much harder. It, it, I'm wondering maybe there isn't an analog for a movie or some other product. I think one actual, I think one interesting thing is on TikTok where, you know, random people can just become celebrities. A lot of the kind of new layer of celeb or a new tier of celebrities has been siblings or other family members of like already famous people. So like Mm -hmm. Frankie Jonas, who is like the bonus Jonas, who was too young to be part of the band. 
or untalented. I have no idea. But he's now like a big TikTok star. Ariana Grande's brother is obviously like he was already kind of famous, but he's now a big TikTok star. So you get these like people who are kind of grasping on to someone else's fame. Who I saw are now Patrick making- Mahone's brother. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, um, enjoying a, a couple seconds of fame earlier this year. <laughs> Right. So you have people leveraging these like little bits of things. So so it's another way to extend the sphere of celebrity, I guess. Um, so, yeah. And, and people who, celebrities who maybe like haven't been around for a while. I think Shania Twain joined a couple weeks ago and now she's at the center of this huge meme. It, it's sort of a way to like kind of reboot your career for the young. Uh, I, I saw John Mayer come on uh, yes. TikTok in the last couple of weeks and then John Oates. Do you know who John, John Oates, Oates is? There we go. Perfect. Have you heard of Hollow Oates? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, oh my God. That's, that's who he is. Uh, and to his credit, he said, I'm just trying it out. And then he played some blues music. It was very nice. It made me feel good. Uh, Rebecca, <laughs> this is a great conversation. Maybe we can have you back on and I can tell you about other old musicians you don't remember hearing about. <laughs> and you can tell me about young people and we'll go from there. Uh, you can read Rebecca's stuff at Vox.com. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Rebecca. Christina Slash Takes and Joel and Jelani, who edited and produced the show, and our sponsors who bring the show to you for free. And you guys, you guys are great. I haven't asked if you like this show, and you probably do since you're still listening to me talk right now. Tell someone else. That way they can like it too. This is Recode Media. We'll see you next week.